Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Hey, DJ. I got like two more because DJ needs his stuff back. (laughs) (laughs) Wait a minute, you mean I borrowed borrowed your stuff. Sorry. Yeah, I borrowed your stuff. Sorry, Deshaun. What what is yours? Is any of that yours or is that? The chest there is mine. That is Ryan Fitzpatrick, now retired NFL quarterback, 17 seasons in the NFL, nine teams. And he always gave us moments, Peter. We have two hours to reflect on the moments of Ryan Fitzpatrick, plus some other retirement talk, plus today's draft, the best journeyman quarterbacks of all time in honor of Ryan Fitzpatrick. But before any of that, I say good morning to Peter King. Welcome back. It's another Friday. Good morning, Mike. Good to be with you. And, um, you know, my last extended conversation with Ryan Fitzpatrick, believe it or not, had to do with probably the only disappointing year of his career. And look, he had a lot of years where he was invisible. But he told me that after his 2015 season with the New York Jets, that he seriously thought of retiring because it was such an unpleasant year of football. And that's what I ended up thinking about last night. I mean, I hate to be Debbie Downer, but that was the one year out of all of them that he really, really disliked playing football. He liked, disliked New York. He disliked, I don't think he disliked the city, but he just disliked being on that team. And, uh, you know, if you look at, all of the years he played i mean that's one of his big stops you know as you can see 22 starts there or 27 starts there and um you know i think the one thing though i'll always remember him in a football sense is that game that he played for the dolphins at vegas uh a year and a half ago where he was an absolute hero down the stretch of that game he came in he came in for Tua Tagovailoa, who was slumping it wasn't playing well 
and he made that no-look pass with his face mask going sideways. And I, I don't know. I just think I think he's had an absolutely remarkable career for a guy who essentially is this the pass? This is just thank you. Thanks for doing this. Look at this. How in the world did this happen? Tell me. Watch his face. Watch his face. How did he complete this ball? I don't know. Unbelievable. That, that's, that's the, the that's his exorcist that I play. Remember. Yeah. yeah. And, and yeah. he had the – you see him in all these different uniforms, all these different years, all those different teams. Wasn't it during the draft that there was a group of guys crossing the street in Las Vegas with all their Ryan Fitzpatrick jerseys on from every team that he's ever played for? Yeah. It really is amazing yeah. when you think about how long Fitzpatrick – has been part of the NFL and how he's managed to keep finding landing spot after landing spot after landing spot and earning in many different places. There they are. I wondered what that sound oh was. There they are crossing the what street. All the got. Fitzpatrick what a jerseys. We got. All the way back to the Rams, back to the Bills. Here we go. All right, let's kill the sound on that. And let's just kill it all together. Thank you. Not not the guys. Just the, <laughs> anyway. Um, uh, or the guys, if you want. Uh, but uh, he, he, he would always find his way onto the field. He was never, or not never, rarely signed to be the starter. But he was at one point kind of like the Bills franchise quarterback. He was the Bills guy. Contract. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it fell apart. But then that's when he found this second or third or fourth act, whatever the case may be, where he would just go somewhere and the next thing you know, he's playing. Then he goes somewhere else, and the next thing you know, he's playing. And he, he kept doing that indefinitely. And you mentioned the Jets. He had one really great year there where they went 10-6, and six, and it was the next year where he held out. And he didn't hold out because he wasn't under contract, but he waited until like right before training camp to sign because they were lowballing him, and he wanted more, and he deserved more. And that season is the one that just never really got going. He was 3-8 and eight in 11 starts that year. And then, and then he moves on. You think he's done, and he goes somewhere else. And then you think he's done, and he goes somewhere else. It really was an amazing run. All right, Mike. I've got a Ryan Fitzpatrick quiz for you, okay? Over under career earnings of Ryan Fitzpatrick. $75 million. Give me your over-under. Over. What do over. you got? Over. Oh, over. Yeah. It's over. Yeah. Well, not by a lot. $80.6 oh, really? his career earnings. Wow. N- not bad wow. for a guy from Harvard who was drafted, what, in the seventh round and 250th pick, I think, if I'm not mistaken. But not bad. I mean, and, and look, there's one thing about Ryan Fitzpatrick. If you ask his coaches... If you ask the guys he played with, uh, it, you know, if, if, if you ask in particular, if you ask guys he quarterbacked with, I'm not saying, I, I think it's overstating it to say he was a beloved figure. Ryan Fitzpatrick was a great teammate and he was a guy who coaches loved to coach because he would give you everything he had. If it wasn't good enough, He'd go back to the sidelines and the other guy would play. Best season statistically was 2015, his first year with the Jets, 3,905 yards. Never had a 4,000-yard season, but got close that year. Had several seasons of 3,000 or more, 38-32 with the Bills in 2011. And then with Miami in 2019, he had 3,500-plus yards. 
that was the year before they drafted Tua Tonga-Vailoa, and he wasn't giving up that job easily. Remember, he was unhappy when he got benched, and they kept bringing yeah. him in. A year later, Tua Tonga-Vailoa would admit that right. it was because he didn't know the two-minute offense as well as Fitzpatrick, and Fitzpatrick did, and they used him repeatedly that year, and they almost made it to the playoffs in that 2020 season. And then what a disappointing way for him and for everyone for his career to end. He goes to Washington, and he plays in one game, throws six passes before he suffers that hip injury that ends up being the last time we ever see him. You know, I think there's a lesson in Ryan Fitzpatrick's story and that is, I always thought it was so interesting how all these different teams he went to, and every team he went to, all he did was show up on opening day and, and give him everything he had. Sometimes he played, sometimes he didn't. And you're right, Mike. You could tell that there were sometimes he was ticked off about not playing and not playing enough. And, and you, could, you could sort of feel that with him. But, but the only thing he ever did was control what he could control. Okay? And what I mean by that is that he would show up for work. Whatever decisions were made, you know, as far as who was playing, whether he was on the bench, whether he was in the game, those were not his decisions to make. But... You know, he told me one time that, you know, his family just like loved the life. I think he had seven kids, right? His family just loved the life and loved, uh, you know, being a part of it. And the year, I think it was what, the two years he was in Miami, right? Or was it, was it two, two years in Miami? Two years. However long he was in Miami, he commuted back and forth to Tampa with his family and I'm sure he had an apartment and they would come but whatever but he would always go home and take a ride across Alligator Alley and go home and be with his family whenever he could and they just really kind of thought that well this is what our dad does this is the life okay so let's all get used to it and we can turn on the TV on Sunday and watch him play quarterback so I think he really understood without getting too exercised about what life in the NFL was like for not a superstar player. The 2018 season is one of the most memorable from Fitzpatrick for me because that's when he got to start the first three games of the season because Jameis Winston was serving a suspension. And Fitzpatrick was spectacular, and it culminated in that Monday night game against the Steelers where it was back and forth and back and forth, and he became... Yeah the first quarterback in NFL history to throw for 400-plus yards in three straight games during that three-game audition to the point where they took their time with Jameis Winston when he was returned from his suspension. And that, that was kind of Fitzpatrick's story. When you didn't expect anything from him, he would end up playing great, and you'd be like, yes. holy crap, yeah. this guy's a good quarterback. And then when you would begin to expect it, that's when it would fall yeah. apart 
and he would inevitably be benched. And it was this cycle that just yeah. went through 17 seasons. And I don't know if there's something psychological with him. Like like plenty of people when they golf, like once they start getting pretty good, they start thinking they're pretty good, and the next thing you know, it all falls apart. It's one of the reasons why I don't golf anymore. It may be that he had that mindset that, that it kind of crept into his brain. Hey, I'm pretty good now. And uh, then uh, something happened and it all crumbled. And then he would do it again with some other team or with that same team at some point later in a given season. But it really was an amazing fluctuation. And if he ever could have settled in on the higher end, he wouldn't have been moving around to so many different teams. And we'd be talking well, not about only wouldn't he be a moving potential Hall of Famer. Yeah, not only wouldn't he be moving around, Mike, but he'd st- he would not have retired yesterday. Yeah. I, I'll tell you that much. This guy, he's like, you know, when Phil Sims retired, he was 38 years old, and he said, man, they're going to have to tear the uniform off me. He wanted to keep playing. And so many of those guys do. Now, a lot don't. But Ryan Fitzpatrick was like that. You know, I think he just loved the life. Mike, there's one other thing about this that I think there's a lot of what we do in our jobs that a lot of times I wonder, I mean, really, how much good are we doing for society? And probably not a lot, but I would just say this. I think in sort of extolling the story, in telling the story of a guy like Ryan Fitzpatrick and talking about him, I really think, I honestly think that's one of the things that people love about football sort of the offbeat stories. Ryan Fitzpatrick showing up with his chest hair hanging out uh, at, a, at a post-game press conference, you know, and dressed like wh- whoever. I don't even know what he's dressed like, but not like a guy with seven kids who lives in the suburbs in Tampa. And so to me, I just sort of always look at sort of the way he played and his role in this juggernaut called the NFL that that we sort of all have a part in, that I think he played his part, he played his role, he was wonderful, and he's one of the great characters, you know, in the last 20 years in the NFL. Let me just say something here before we get back to the quarterback retirement talk, because something you mentioned, uh, number one, it's going to spark a bunch of emails from people who will tell me to say to you that even though we may think that we really don't add anything, and I go through that, frankly, all the time, let's go ahead and bear our souls here. I can't tell you how many days I ask myself, what am I really doing? What do I really add <laughs> to anything? And please, please, no emails responding to that. But what, 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 what am I really doing yeah. here? Copy, paste, snarky comments, somebody reads it or not, moves on to the next one. It's all gone. It's all, you know, by the next day, they're looking for the next wave of stories. And we talk for a couple of hours and then we stop talking. I hear from people all the time, Peter, and this isn't to make it about us, but you brought it up. And I just want to make sure you understand it. I want to make sure everybody out there understands it. And I'm trying to say this to myself, too, because I go through it all the time, all the time. What the hell am I really adding to anything? Um, People like having a place where they can go to get away from all the shit that they have to deal with every day. And if you haven't noticed, right now, in our collective American experience, there's a lot of shit we got to deal with. So we provide that tiny little oasis 
whether it's reading Football Morning in America, whether it's reading my copy-paste snarky comment posts, whether it's watching and listening to this show, we are providing people a much-needed break from this shit. So that's what we do. I don't know that it makes you feel any better, but that's what we do. Yeah, you're right about that, Mike. But I think sometimes, I think sometimes we, when, when I see, like, I, I, I'll give you an example. I forget one of those times when Ryan Fitzpatrick showed up in a costume in a post-game, for a post-game press conference. And I remember, like, I looked at social media at that time, and it was bigger than all of the games that day. And I just remember saying, how silly is this? But you know what? People just like fun. And I think, Mike, I think of this sometimes too. You know, why don't I write more about CTE? Why don't we talk more about it? Why don't we do more about the real serious stuff? And I think part of the reason is because, look, we can, we can cover everything. We have time to cover everything. So we will cover CTE. We will cover you know, the relationship of ALS to the game, all that stuff. I get that. But I do think sometimes, absolutely, you're right. Sometimes people just want to laugh, have fun, get a chuckle. That's one of the reasons why Ryan Fitzpatrick was such, I don't know that he was a singular player over the last 15 years or so, but he's close to it. He was fun. He did not take himself too seriously. He understood his place in the NFL ecosystem, which was not up here with Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. But also, it's not down here with the guys who fail and get cut. Okay? It's right here in the meaty part of the curve. But as far as entertainment and fun, he's up here in the top 10 to 20 guys of the last 15 years. And that is one of the things we shouldn't forget about Ryan Fitzpatrick. Why does everybody watch this stuff? Why does so many people play fantasy football? It's a diversion. It's fun. And Ryan Fitzpatrick helped everyone who loved football have a lot of fun over the last few years. Well, and what made him so much fun is what I was talking about earlier. The fact that you never quite knew which guy was going to show up. Yeah. Are you not yeah. expecting anything and you're going to get 400 passing yards and a spectacular performance and a victory? Or are you going to get a guy that you expect to throw for 300 and lead the team to an easy win? And all of a sudden he's the other Ryan Fitzpatrick. It was kind of a Jekyll and Hyde routine at times. And I think that added to the fun because when he gave us those moments, we knew he was capable of them. And when he gave them, they were organic. They were real. And when he shows up at a press conference in some goofy getup, it's not something that you got the impression that he planned a week in advance. He just kind of walked into the locker room and said, hey, here's what I got. Check this out. Look at this. And, and so, yeah, uh, I missed him last year. And I was hoping he'd keep playing. Yeah. And I think the timing yesterday was as simple as, because what we heard right after the retirement was he's deep in negotiations with Amazon. I think he's decided he's going to Amazon. And that's why he retired from football. That you don't retire yesterday. There was no contractual element to it like we've seen with some of these other retirements in 
post June one because it reduces right. cap charges or whatever. He's he's available. He's he's not attached to anyone. He's going to TV, and that's his way of before he moves to TV, he announces that he's done playing football. I think you're absolutely right. Um, I heard something about Fitzpatrick recently and Amazon. I guess I wasn't the only one. And so, look, Amazon's got to move on with life. Amazon's got to start practicing. They've got to get their pregame show team because that's, that is what he's going to be on. He's going to be on their pregame show. So they've got to get the crew together. They've got to start figuring out how a guy like Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to mesh with Tony Gonzalez and, and whoever the, um, you know, the host is and whoever else is in the studio. Uh, what's, what's Marshawn Lynch's role going to be? You hear that he's going to have some role uh, with this show. So, so, yeah, it's time to move on in life. It's June. You know, they, they've got to, you know, he's got to learn a little bit about the TV business before September 15th when he steps out into the parking lot at Arrowhead Stadium and because the Amazon pregame show is going to be on the scene 15 games, 15 times in parking lots or sidelines of games. And so he's got to start learning how to think while people are screaming at him, <laughs> you know, which, which is one of those things that guys who step off the field, you can play football in a loud stadium, but can you actually think and, and speak cogent sentences with a lot of people screaming at you? Uh, we're going to find out. But so I think it's a logical next step for him. We'll see how good he is on TV. It's funny, Mike, isn't it? That some of the guys who we think are going to be, eh, he might be good on TV. They turn out to be great. And some of the guys we think are going to be great are, eh, they're just okay. Well, you only find out when they do it, just like with anything else that you do in life. you got to jump into the pool and see whether or not you sink or swim. And that's how it works for, for players in broadcasting. When you jump in, you sink or you swim. And it's very unforgiving, and you know pretty quickly whether or not it's going to work. One last thing on Amazon, and I'm not being critical here, it really is odd to me, and maybe this is just because they're Amazon and they can take whatever time they want, they don't have an initial game until September 15. It's not like they have a preseason schedule they need to have ready. But I'm Well, they, are, they do have a preseason game, Mike. Well, okay, well, they, then they got they have a, times a-wasting. They, they better get their yeah. act together and, and figure out who the hell they're going to hire. It's the last week of the preseason. They, have, they oh. have San Francisco and Houston on whatever, like, August 27th or something like that. But they it's, do have one it's preseason just weird game. That, that yeah. we're, we're just hearing different whispers and rumors. And at some point, you got to get your, your group finalized and start getting ready because before you know it, it's going to be here. So it uh, sounds like yeah. Amazon will indeed have Ryan Fitzpatrick. Tony Gonzalez is the only one and that has been like trotted out by – Amazon, but you mentioned Marshawn Lynch. He's been connected to it. Who knows? Who knows? And they're going to have alternate streams and feeds, and you don't hear a whole lot specifically about that, but uh, I assume we will in the coming days and weeks. We have to because football season is coming. One last Ryan Fitzpatrick point before we move on because this is my one take-it-to-the-grave Ryan Fitzpatrick story. He once found out he was being traded – from reading profootballtalk.com. That's how he found out he That's was being traded. Great. 
He found out That's there before great. the team told him. And I don't know whether it was the Rams or the Bengals. I have a feeling it was the Bengals because, you know, Bengals. But the Bengals. He, found out, <laughs> he found out from PFT that he was being traded, not from anyone with the team or I his agent that. or anyone else. Don't ever let anyone tell you you have no value, Florio. You yeah. inform people when they're getting <laughs> like paid. You guys know they're being traded before they even find out themselves. Take that, doldrums and feelings of what the hell am I doing? Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. All right, what the hell is Tom Brady doing? We know he's playing football this year, but after that vanity golf match the other night with him and Aaron Rodgers and Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes, they they did like a little roundtable discussion that nobody saw live, apparently, because things about it were trickling out yesterday, and the thing that trickled out about Tom Brady, and this came from Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, he said to Ernie Johnson, at this stage, it's like 55% yes and 45% no as to playing. That's just the reality. It's not that I'm not 100% committed. It's just as soon as I make the commitment to do it, it's like, ugh, all right, here we go. It's like running a marathon. You can't decide two weeks before the marathon, hey, I'm going to start running. We got right to free agency, and I felt some pressure to do it and talk to the team and organization, and it all worked out. I felt some pressure to do it. He knew. He knew. He had to make a decision. They were going to find somebody else to play quarterback. And you know what I think it came down to? Because I thought at one point maybe his end game was wait for the Buccaneers to find somebody else, and it's easier for him to get to another team. The problem is – where was the other viable spot where he was confident he could pursue a championship? The Dolphins thing, which plenty of people out there still want to plug their ears and shout serenity now over. The Dolphins thing was real. That fell apart with the Brian Flores lawsuit. And then where else was he going to go? Where else was there a spot where he could walk through the door and have a competitive team that could contend for a championship and the Bucks were going to move on without him? He had to make a decision. He made the decision to come back. And uh, and as he said, if we can believe him, because he's also said 90% of the time he doesn't say what he really thinks. So 90%, 100%, 55%, 45%, but he says he's 55%, yes, 45%, no. It just makes you wonder, is this really the last year for Tom Brady? Because if it's that close, it's not going to take much to tip it the other way, Peter. Yeah, Mike, I think if you look back on the timing of this, Okay, just remember the big moment for Tom Brady, I I believe, is when he basically called Ryan Jensen and whatever the conversation was. But the the upshot of the conversation was right before Ryan Jensen was making the decision. Should I stay or should I go? You know, and, and I believe I believe that Ryan Jensen probably would have gone to Cincinnati uh, if that weekend Tom Brady didn't call him and say, hey, listen, I'm coming back, are you in? Uh, Or words to that effect. And I think at that moment, Brady knew he had already lost, uh, you know, two guards and he was about to lose or, or perhaps, very good chance, lose his center. And if he then lost all three interior offensive linemen 
and had to make that up from scratch, along with maybe not having either O.J. Howard was, was going to be gone. Gronk, who knows? Chris Godwin, probably not there at the start of the season. Who the heck am I going to war with? So he had a finite deadline that if he really wanted to do this, he had to do it when he did it. Yeah, and uh, and you got to be all in. And he's right. You, you, you can't start training for the marathon two weeks before the marathon begins. And it really makes you wonder about yeah. next year. He's got that $37.5 million bird in the hand with Fox whenever he wants to start working there. The, uh, the question I think is going to come down to, is there a spot where he thinks he can go and have a reasonable shot at number eight or, as the case may be, number nine, depending upon what happens this year with the Buccaneers? And I think that is what's going to drive him. And I'm not being critical of him either. He's going to go somewhere where he thinks the deck is stacked in his favor. And if it's not stacked in his favor, why bother at 45 going on 46? So, uh, I, you know, we have to approach each year for Tom Brady going forward as the last year of his career, even though he doesn't want a farewell tour. And uh, this could be the last year. Next year could be the last year. Who knows how much longer he'll go. But I think as long as he thinks he has a reasonable shot at adding to his hall of Super Bowl championships, he will at least consider the possibility because the one thing he wants to avoid and he said this and now that he's going to actually be calling games it's going to torment him even more it's not like he can disappear and wall himself off from football for a year or two he never wants to watch a game and think those guys suck I can do better than they are so that with him going to Fox is an added element in his mindset as to how much do I want to put myself through this potential torment that I'm watching these guys play when I know I could put the helmet on and go out there right now and be better than those stiffs. Mike, you know, I'm, I'm going to take this about 108 degrees to the side right now and just say one thing about Brady, the broadcaster. And that is this. So when, when he, uh, you know, when he signed with Fox and Andrew Marshan reported this huge contract with Fox, it just got me to thinking, okay, like we never really thought of Brady as a guy who was going to do broadcasting. At least I never did, okay? So now that he is going to do broadcasting, you know, what path should he take there? So I called a bunch of people in the industry, and one really smart guy said, you know, Tom Brady owes it to his future to take three hours every week this year and watch all as many broadcast crews as he can. And he should listen to Charles Davis with Ian Eagle. He should listen to Aikman with Joe Buck. He should listen to Collinsworth and Mike Tirico. You know, he should listen to Kirk Herbstreet with Al. And, and when he does that, he should watch and he should say, I like that. I don't like that. I think I'm going to do that. I'm not going to do that. And he should really go to school. The, the one thing I've heard people say, oh, geez, he's boring. He's never going to be good on TV. I think Tom Brady is going to be good on TV. Will he be great? I don't know. A lot of TV, as you know, Mike, is just instantaneous cleverness and reaction, plus having the guts to be what Chris Collinsworth was on the goal line 
in the Seattle New England Super Bowl when he said, and I quote, seven seconds after the Malcolm Butler interception, I'm sorry, I do not like that call. There are going to be times when you are going to have to, you're all friendly with Pete Carroll. You're friendly with Daryl Bevel and Russell Wilson and, and all the people in the, on the Seattle team. And you're friendly and you like them and they like you. You get along. But you know what? Sometimes you're going to have to fricassee people with 90 million people watching in the United States. That's all there is to it. Then and only then will we know if Brady can be great. Can he fricassee people? Because you have to in that business. But, but I just think as far as preparation goes, this is a long ramble, talk show-ish answer. But Tom Brady needs, in my opinion, to really, he, he shouldn't just retire and then say, okay, I'm going to start studying these guys. He's got to start thinking about it now. And, and if I were him, just spend three hours a week watch a different telecast. And that's my 108 degree veer off to the right. And I agree with you completely. And he's got to be willing to show personality and he's got to be willing to say things that are critical in a way that doesn't create some big mess for him. And look, you either have it or you don't. Comedy is hard. And I didn't watch the match the other night. I had no interest in watching football players golf. I have no interest in watching golfers golf, for crying out loud. I I agree with you. Those two sentiments (laughs) I could have said. (laughs) (laughs) But but apparently, and I saw this from Jimmy Traina of SI.com, apparently Brady spent the whole time making fat jokes about Josh Allen, who isn't fat, first of all. And second of all, there's nothing worse than a guy who is, like, in your face about his diet making fun of people he thinks is fat. So hopefully he's got more clubs in his bag than that when it's time to start doing (laughs) games, you know. Uh, So I just thought it was odd. And, again, I didn't hear any of it, but uh, I I just – I saw the snippets that that, uh, Jimmy Trainer was talking about or I read about it, and it's like – it's just kind of weird because no one – it's not like Josh Allen is Billy Joe Tolliver for crying out loud. I mean, it's just it was just it was just strange to me uh, that 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 would be the thing that that Tom Brady tried to use to get under Josh Allen's skin. All right, uh, Aaron Rodgers. Speaking of guys who let things get under their skin, whether or not they should or they shouldn't, he during that same roundtable that no one watched after the golf match that I definitely didn't watch, he said to Ernie Johnson on the issue of retirement I think about it all the time when you commit your 100% but the older you get the interest change and the grind I think wears on you a little more the football part is the easy part that's the joy it's the other stuff that wears on you and makes you think about life after football Tommy Brady obviously set the bar high with playing so many years but I can definitely see the end coming you start to sound like Favre in that Favre didn't like anything but playing and that the grind in the offseason program which Rodgers is skipping even though as we talked about last Friday I think he should be there to help Christian Watson along he's at the point where he doesn't like any of that stuff and Peyton Manning always said I love all of it I love all of it I'm going to keep doing it as long as I love all of it and he did love all of it and I think Brady we heard a little bit from Brady and what we just talked about maybe he doesn't love all of it as much as he used to but Rodgers openly admitting there's 
parts of it he just doesn't like, and you get to a point where you ask yourself, is it really worth it to keep doing it? So trains much closer to the station, it feels like, for Aaron Rodgers than Tom Brady. And you know what? And this is a dynamic we talked about way back in February, Peter. Aaron Rodgers needs to make sure he plays at least one more year than Tom Brady. Otherwise, he goes into the Hall of Fame as... As the second fiddle to Tom Brady, act. he's got to yeah. he's got to play yeah. one year longer than Tom Brady, or he doesn't get that Hall of Fame weekend all to himself. You know what is really interesting, Mike, when you think about it. So Aaron Rodgers, I, I don't want to say he's the forgotten guy, but think about the quarterbacks this off season. Brady retires, he unretires. He's huge news. Uh, Deshaun Watson, will he play? Won't he play? How many women are suing him today? Uh, there's that. There's Josh Allen, the uh, the the basically the 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 rising star who the last two times we saw play football, nobody could even come close to stopping him against New England and and Kansas City, and then you know Patrick Mahomes, who's almost like you know he's the face of the NFL even though they get rid of Tyreek Hill. And here we are talking about Aaron Rodgers. And maybe you want to put Joe Cool, Joe Burrow, you know, as far as an attention magnet ahead of Rodgers. But, but anyway, Aaron Rodgers might be the quarterback who's fourth or fifth on the attention-getting scale entering this season, which is so weird. He's won back-to-back MVPs. He will try this year to be the first quarterback in a quarter century to win three straight MVPs. And, and, and I must say, I must say, for those who would say, oh my God, I, I mean, the, the, the voters will never vote for the same guy three years in a row and they'll have Rodgers fatigue. Hold on a minute. Let me ask you this question. What happens... If the Green Bay Packers again win home field in the NFC and they do it without Devontae Adams, without Marquez Valdez-Scantling, and they do it with two guys named Christian Watson and Roman Dubes. I mean, this, this offseason has strengthened Rodgers' case for a third straight MVP if the Packers win 13 games. So I I don't know why I just got into that, but that's just been on my mind. I've been thinking about this whole Rodgers thing, and I just think that he's in pretty good position to actually win a third straight MVP. Oh, well, he is because the Packers are in a division where you've got three teams that are in rebuild mode right now between the Vikings and the Bears and the Lions. Now, look, the Lions may be better than people think. The Vikings may actually be pretty good if they take full advantage of their offensive weaponry, which I think they will be doing. There was a great item from Jory Epstein of USA Today delving into how the Vikings' offense is changing dramatically under Kevin O'Connell. But still, they should be able to run that division. Anything other than 6-0 and in the division is a disappointment. And then out of the division, they should be able to fatten up their record enough that they can be the one seed. So we know what drives the MVP voting. At the end of the day, quarterback from one of the number one seeds – unless there's some tremendous 
record-setting or record-approaching statistical performance that trumps it. Otherwise, it, it is one of the quarterbacks of one of the two number one seeds, and that's what's driven Rodgers that far. I think the reason he's gotten less attention this offseason, number one, he hasn't done the same kinds of things to go out and naturally get it. The drama from last year that popped up right before the draft made him the biggest story in the NFL. He hasn't been the biggest story in the NFL this year. There was one day, one day that he was the biggest story for about an hour or two before Russell Wilson got traded to the Broncos. That was it, the day that he said, I'm playing for the Packers again, which really... It's not a lightning bolt story. A status quo story isn't going to really move the needle. So he says he's staying with the Packers. We all start to react to that. And the next thing you know, it's like, sorry, Aaron Rodgers. We got bigger news over here. It reminds me of the time that at the (laughs) media center, in the height of Tebow mania, people brushing by Joe Montana to go follow Tim Tebow wherever he was going. We brushed past the Aaron Rodgers story to go get to Russell Wilson. And, And so he never really... Peter, to your point, he never really had, has done anything this offseason to command the kind of attention right. that he had for months last year. He never had the floor. He never had the floor. Yeah. Yeah. It makes you wonder what he's yeah. going to do to try to get it. And, hey, Peter, I look at what he said on Wednesday night, and you think back to last year. He claimed, and who knows whether it's true or not, but he claimed he was 50-50 on whether he was going to retire going into the weekend before the start of training camp. This is a guy who's completely detached from the Packers right now. They assume he's going to be there for mandatory minicamp. Maybe he will, maybe he won't. Who knows? It's a $100,000 fine if they even have the guts to collect it from him. Is he, is he, if he thinks about retirement all the time, we take him at his word. He thinks about it all the time. Was he thinking about it now? Is he, is he thinking about... Is he thinking about retiring now? If he thinks about it all the time, now is included in that very broad statement. I just, I, I you want a shock, you want a lightning bolt. It's Aaron Rodgers announcing the day before camp opens. <laughs> oh, by the way, I'm done. Hey, Jordan Love, here's the baton. Good Have luck. fun. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not saying it's going to happen, but if he, think, if he thinks about it all the time, and he's not there for OTAs. I, I just you can't rule out the possibility. If he was fifty fifty last year going into the weekend before camp opens, you can't rule out the possibility that he's just gonna say, Well, you know what, guys, thanks for the new contract, but I, I just I really can't do this. I just can't do it and I'm not gonna do it. I'd rule it out. I can't rule out he's anything with no, him. He's he's maybe not, he's, he's going to Amazon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> who who yeah. knows? Maybe Amazon. Maybe Amazon's going to offer him three hundred seventy-five million. Mike, Mike, listen. They keep like toggling between Mayim Bialik and uh, and Ken Jennings. Ken Jennings. So how how great would it be if on Labor Day weekend there's Aaron Rodgers with his goofy grin and his goatee saying, "Hi, this is my new job." <laughs> The thing is, though, and this is the bottom line reality. I mean, we all kind of praised him for his two week stint. He, he he didn't he didn't he didn't even scratch the surface with the Jeopardy crowd. They never wanted yeah, him. The fans that's right. never that's wanted right. him. Football Which fans are like, hey, look, because I thought he was yeah, good. But they they never warmed up to him. It was Mayim Bialik, Lavar Burton was one of the names that was very aggressively pushed by yeah. the Jeopardy crowd. Ken Jennings. 
I, I, I think I think it it never would have worked for him in the Jeopardy crowd. By the way, I, we, we're just talking about whatever we want to talk about, which uh, you know is pretty much the the spirit of the show every day. I find myself watching Jeopardy every single day now, just to remind myself of how freaking stupid I am. Just just to know how much there is out there that I don't know, except when they ask sports questions. That's when the tables turn immediately. I suffer through <laughs> a week of shows where I feel horribly inadequate intellectually until there's a sports topic and the three contestants don't know jack shit about what they're talking about. Isn't that an amazing dynamic on Jeopardy? I can't believe it when I listen to some of the answers to sports questions. And you know, Mike, it just goes to show you there's a finite amount of knowledge to be gleaned on planet Earth. But that finite amount of knowledge is effing huge. So the more time you spend with your feet propped up, cigar in hand, beard in the, in the cup holder, watching the Vikings and the Seahawks play a preseason game, the less time you can spend reading uh, John Steinbeck and Ernest Hemingway <laughs> and William Faulkner. So in other words, in other words, you can't know some of the questions that are in the category of great American authors. Okay? And, and I'll just say one other thing. I have this quirky thing. Like one day state capitals was on, all right? And, and I just said, oh my God, just give me state capitals. And I, 2000, I think, was, it had something to do with what's the state capital of Oregon. And I said, oh, come on, what is Salem? You know, and so, I, because, you know, when I was in third grade, just like some people study presidents, I studied state capitals. And the weird little knowledge like that has stuck with me all of my life. So I'm just saying that it's amazing how smart some people are, but I will just tell you this. If you in college or in high school didn't get hooked on the Minnesota Vikings and the NFL, there was a chance because of the way your brain works and your sort of insatiable desire to know things, you could have, you probably, if you chose to, could have been on Jeopardy one day. And then you would have stunk at answering the sports question. <laughs> That's true. The other night, they had, they had a question about Cooper Cup. They had a picture of Cooper Cup, and the three contestants drew a blank. They didn't even try. Oh they didn't even God. press. They didn't even throw a name out. And, and hey, hey, Steinbeck, I know a little Steinbeck. I read The Grapes of Wrath last year. Literally, it took the whole year to read The Grapes of Wrath, but I did read it. I did. I don't remember anything about it other than I don't know what the hell happened at the end. So I, I Steinbeck, Grapes of Wrath. Beep. What is the Grapes of Wrath? All right. Uh, who is Alex Mack? Alex Mack is retiring from what doesn't belong and why. I'm sorry, Alex Mack. I know you've had a great career, but we're talking about all these great quarterbacks and now pin the tail on the donkey with Alex Mack. We knew this was coming. The the 49ers brass was eventually, essentially, eventually, essentially, they know who we mean, essentially saying it without saying it, that he was done. He announced it yesterday. That's one of those kind of like cap relief moves for the 49ers because they got no cap space. They right. got none. So they yep. processed the retirement post-June 1. It saves them some cap space. He reduced his salary gratuitously like 
Drew Brees did last year for the Saints to create some cap space. So 13 seasons, seven Pro Bowls, just a sneaky great career from Alex Mack. And uh, was one year with the 49ers and, and was good last year. Was good last year, but he just decided that's it. He's had enough. He's moving on. You know, I thought yesterday, I, I've gotten to know Alex Mack pretty well. And over the years, if I ever had a question, he was very, he was a big union guy, but he was not, um, you know, a total um, my way or the highway union guy. He was a very, very thoughtful person and understood both sides, you know. So, and, and, and I only say that because I always think, when I think of Alex Mack, I think about a guy who always knew what was important and always realized how fortunate he was. And I'm going to tell you a quick story. The year he signed with Atlanta and, you know, like six or seven years ago, remember he had gone in, he had started his career with the Browns, rookie contract played very well and got a huge rich contract with the Falcons. I forget what it was, but you know, so now he was in the the seven-figure category, or I'm sorry, the eight-figure category, where he's basically making whatever it is, $10 million a year, or whatever his average was. But, but I only say that because I went to him in training camp that year, and I remember this conversation. I said, what's the nicest thing you've bought with money that you earned in football? And he just sort of stopped. And he goes, a watch. Hmm. And he showed me this watch, and I forget the brand name, but it was a very, it was a beautiful watch, okay? It was, it was, it was not a Rolex, but it was some sort of watch. It was beautiful. So I took a picture of the watch, and I went back, and I looked at the watch, and I looked online to see how much it costs. And I think it cost $4,800, and I just said to myself, so here's a guy who in his NFL career so far has earned, along with his bonus that he just got with the, you know, with the Falcons, he's earned whatever, 25 or $30 million. And I asked him the nicest thing, the thing he really enjoyed the most, and it was a watch that cost $4,800. And I'm not saying, oh, he has life in perspective. I'm just simply saying that Alex Mack, really appreciated everything about his life and he appreciated what football did for him which is it allowed him to go buy a $4,800 watch and truly appreciate it rather than you know he's not the one of these guys who has seven cars in the garage he, 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 was, he was never one of those guys all of which cost more than a hundred thousand dollars you know he wouldn't do that he just, you know, hey, it's pretty cool to be able to buy a nice watch. And uh, one thing I remember about Alex Mack, too, because Peyton Hillis' name came up earlier this week for me because they showed all the Madden covers. Like, how the hell did Peyton Hillis get on the Madden cover? But he did have one really good year. But I remember there was a time that Hillis, when he was trying to get his contract, he didn't play in a game because he had, like, a sore throat. And Alex Mack was playing with, uh, I think, tonsillitis or some or so, something appendicitis he was playing with appendicitis a more a more deadly yeah. itis than tonsillitis he played with an inflamed <laughs> appendix 
that was about to burst, and Pey- Peyton Hillis doesn't play because he's he's uh, got a little bit of a sore throat. So Mac, you know, old school, did his job, did it well, and it's easy to get forgotten. When you just show up every day and bust your ass and you don't cause problems and you're not the squeaky wheel, you get taken for granted very easily and you get overlooked and forgotten. And that's what happened, I think, in many respects to Alex Mack. Frank Gore, never taken for granted, although there are still people out there who think he's not a Hall of Famer. He is officially retired. He didn't play in 2021. He retires as a member of the 49ers and immediately will go into the 49ers Hall of Fame. Five-time Pro Bowler, third highest rushing total in league history yardage compiled in an era where guys don't run like they used to and he ran past barry freaking sanders peter frank gore uh now boxing a little bit but one of the all-time great running backs and and you know one of the arguments he'll make for himself as a hall of famer is i got my career off the ground with a 49ers team that had nothing around me. I was the focal point of every defense, and I still got my yardage. The thing about Frank Gore, look, I remember writing this. Just imagine, after his second year in the NFL, you know, in the offseason after his second year, if you take a snapshot of him at that point, he was a player who at that moment had had his left left shoulder surgically repaired, his right shoulder surgically repaired, his left knee surgically repaired, his right knee surgically repaired. And both of the knees were reconstructions. So I'm just saying that what are the odds that two years into one's career, with that medical surgical resume that you are going to end up being the third leading rusher in the 102-year history of the National Football League. Pretty damn slim. But he was a guy who, I mean, I interviewed him 20 times. And every time I interviewed him, I just said to myself, there's nobody who loves football more than Frank Gore. Nobody. Nobody. He'll do anything to keep playing. If he got offered a contract right now to come back, well, all we have is a spot on special teams. Hey, where do I sign, coach? I mean, he just, he loves football. Now, I think later on in life it will be to his detriment because when he wakes up and he's 50 years old, he's going to be sore in about 100 places. And I pray that Frank Gore... Uh, you know, is able to keep his wits and doesn't get CTE and, and all that. But, I mean, this guy was just the ultimate warrior. Uh, well said, and I agree completely. And we do need to take a break. And, and I've, uh, we've been working with Courtney for Why? a while Why? It's only now. 52 minutes after well, the hour. And, and it's funny because <laughs> she suggests – I can hear – Even if all she says is break next, I can hear in her voice a combination of optimism that maybe I'll actually listen and resignation (laughs) that there's a good chance that I won't. All in those two syllables. But I do have to say this on the way to break. Getting back to our existential crisis from earlier about why we do this and does anybody really care and are we adding anything to society and we both believe we aren't. Here's an email I got. I won't identify the person who sent it just because – They didn't say one way or the other. PFT and my two dogs are the only things that provide consistent day-to-day pleasure 
that I can absolutely count on. And I've got a nice life. But you guys are right up there with my two pit bulls for reliable pleasure. So we are on par, Peter, with a pair of pit bulls for at least (laughs) one viewer or listener out there. Uh, We'll take a break. When we return, a development that kind of went under the radar this week from the latest Deshaun Watson lawsuit. Important information in a footnote that really wasn't as old news as some people would suggest. We'll tell you what it was when PFT Live continues right after this. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 